joke, man. Yo. Hey, Jackie, it's Eugene. How are you? Who the hell is this? Eugene Driscoll, ValleyIndy.org, to talk to you about your appearance at Treehouse Comedy Productions in Seymour, Connecticut. What are you talking about? Who is this? Hey, I'm Eugene Driscoll. Welcome to Naval Geezing, the Valley Indie Podcast. Yes, today my guest is Jackie the Joke Man Martling, former head writer for the Howard Stern Show. Jackie will be appearing Saturday, March 2nd, at the Strand Theater in Seymour, Connecticut, as part of the Treehouse Comedy Series. Tickets are 25 bucks. If you want to buy tickets or you seek more info, please go to treehousecomedy.com. You could also call the Treehouse box office at 203-230-8700. The Strand Theater is at 165 Main Street in Seymour. Artie Lang was there at the end of January, which was uh, awesome. He got a standing ovation. He killed. It was an inspirational show given the recent track history. But unfortunately, right after the show, Artie wound back up in uh, rehab. So... Seymour, please don't do that to Jackie. He's been sober a long time. So I know this episode is going to get a lot of outside the valley interest, obviously. So I'm going to shut up and just play the interview as quickly as possible. But just so you get an idea of what this is, this is a podcast that's part of valleyindy.org. That's a local nonprofit newspaper serving Connecticut's lower Naugatuck Valley. I know when people hear Connecticut, they think, uh, you know, the, where Baba Bowie lives, that part of Connecticut, like the Greenwich, Westport. What? No, we're not that part of Connecticut. We're like the real uh, Connecticut. So that's just some context to this. Also, oh, wait. Oh, boy, this is a big deal. I have to give the Jackie plugs because he was really generous with his time, and I was super nervous to do this interview. For Endless Jokes... Say, Alexa, play Jackie Martling, or type Jackie Martling into Pandora or Spotify. I just tried this on Pandora. Make sure you don't have any explicit filters set. Follow Jackie on Twitter at Jackie Martling. He does jokes every day at 4.20 p.m. International Marijuana Time. And he also has a dirty joke line that's been going for 40 years. Uh, I should probably say this this podcast is family-friendly usually, but this one's probably a PG-13. Use your finger, dial 516-922-WINE for all show information and everything Jackie, including uh, details on how to order his book, came out about a year ago, Jackie Martling, Bow to Stern. Go to jokeland.com. How the hell are you? Nice to talk. Thanks for the... I am so confused with this. You know, I'm... You know, I'm a thousand years old. Do you know how many times I've been to stupid L.A.? 
And, uh, you know, I just lie. I've been lying here awake since four o'clock in the morning. I, you know, I know. I used I, to know how to do this, you know. I feel for you. Yeah, you're a workhorse, Jackie. I mean, uh, you know. No, thing- I'm not. Please. I, you know, I went to the, I got driven to the airport and I took a plane. I'm just so stupid that I slept on the plane, which is the wrong thing to do. You know, um, so I'm an idiot. You know, I couldn't read because the moron next to me uh, didn't have his light on and had the window closed and whatever. So, so I'm raring to go, man. And, uh, and I'm out here doing a great project. You know, I, yeah, I guess I, I'm not a workhorse. I'm because I, I still to this day feel guilty. You know, I swear to God, back when, uh, when I was playing in bands and I, I remember, you know, I'd go to pick somebody up and they'd say, hey, mom, going to work. And I'd be like, you're not going to work. We're going to play music. That's not, you know, I mean, it is work like crazy, but it always felt funny saying we're going to work. So, you know, you know, listen, you could tell I've had 19 cups of coffee and I haven't spoken to another <laughs> human. What are you doing out I there? Can spoke, I... I haven't spoken to another human since I got here. Well, I'm just now you're stuck. I'm nervous as heck because I mean, you know, I'm 45 years old. Uh, I grew up on the Stern Show. I had older brothers who introduced me to the Stern Show back when he was on WNBC. It's the greatest, biggest radio show in the history of mankind. So I'm nervous as hell. So all your emails even made me more nervous. I'm like, oh my god, if I screw up the joke, man. You're nervous? And... <laughs> you don't mean nervous to talk to me? Yes, I am. Oh, you're out of your mind. Listen, there's nobody easier on the planet. I'm out here doing, there's a, there's a kid, and I, I can't stand that I refer to 40-year-old people as kids. You know, I went to pick up chicken wings for the, for the Oscars the other night, and went to my sister's at a local, local place, and I walked in, they were all like, whoa, Jackie the Joke Man. Somebody says, yeah, he just pops in around here, just like Billy Joel. And I'm like, what are you doing putting me in that league, you know? And uh, I got my wings and took a bunch of pictures. And I, on my way out, I said, you know, you kids have a good night. And then I said, I can't believe that I'm referring to you 40 and 50-year-old guys as kids. But they are compared to me. And it, was, it just hit me. It was so funny, you know. Yeah, but you're in, better shape. you're in better shape than any of us. I went back and watched some of the old uh, Channel 9 shows, uh, which I watched when they were, were first on. But, like, you had a beer gut back there, which I can relate to. Uh, now you're like Jack I Lalanne. So, I look so much. I look so much better now than I did when I quit the show. It's not you know people can't believe it. Yeah, when you did know, you? When did you say, get? Are in, you Jackie's son? You when know? did you get into the fitness and, and all that? I mean, obviously you're but living. No, how- I, I I I was always you know it's really funny because I was a high school gymnast and I ran track and I was on the soccer team and I never gained an ounce the whole seventies because I was always sweating from playing mm-hmm. rock and roll and being crazy. And we, and I had a beer belly, you know, and it was funny on the Stern show. Cause whenever we all lost weight, I all of a sudden would have the body of a gymnast and Gary and Howard were built like a pear. <laughs> and when they lost weight, they just looked like smaller pears. <laughs> that was so funny. I, I took what, some questions. You're on your way up. Are you on your way up? Are oh, you I'm a like comedian or a radio guy. What are you? No, 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 no. I'm I, I I do. I'm a local journalist. I've been a reporter for 20 years, and I run a nonprofit uh, news site. We're funded through uh, reader donations and and foundations, and I do a podcast as well. So I, I do I do a little bit of everything. It sure sounds like you better not be putting kids through college with that crap. <laughs> I got a third grader <laughs> upstairs right now with a flu. That's what my life is. I'm recording this in my basement. So if you hear like a dog barking, right, no, or, you got to send me you gotta send me your screen address 
and I'll send you the funniest kids CDs in the world. I know that doesn't sound right. Right, but from Jackie. your kids will go crazy. They'll go crazy. Let me ask you, Jackie, about... I, I took a couple of questions from Stern Wait, Show first, fans. plug the show. It's very important because I always forget that. And, uh, I'm working with Brad Axelrod, who is so cheap that when he walks, you can hear the squeak all the way out there in L.A. So we got to get some people in there. I've been working for Brad since 1979, and I, and I love it. Since the old Westport Comedy Club and, you know, the, the, the Treehouse Comedy Club at the Westport Inn, it was... Uh, I just love, 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 and it's so many people from Connecticut are emailing me and texting me, whoa, you're finally coming to Connecticut. You're finally coming, because I haven't been there in so long. Yeah. So we might even be sold out already. I'm, I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping. I'm sure know, it will but, be. Uh, That's like, you're the next town up. You're going to be appearing Saturday uh, at the Strand Theater. Uh, in Seymour, and I'll attach an entire uh, uh, plug at the beginning of this podcast. People will, will have already heard, but I saw Artie there a couple weeks ago. You're, you're following up on Artie, which who also came there as part of uh, Brad's Treehouse Comedy Productions, and uh, he oh, killed. Good. It's and a great. I heard he did great. He was you great. Know, I, I hope he's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah me uh, too. Me too. He he was really. I mean, you know, I was rooting for him. Uh, he, he, it was a great show. It's a great place to see comedy. It's so exciting that live comedy by guys like Jackie, the joke man and Artie are coming uh, to the Naugatuck Valley. Cause you, you know, we have to, I mean, Westport is that's, that's a whole other world. That's, that's Gary Baba Bowie land. But I got to ask you, I got to ask you, which, listen, I got to tell you, I am so thrilled because I've been, listen, I'm not, there's nothing I can do about it. I, I I'm celebrating my 40th year as a headline stand-up I, since 1979, which is a long time, Eugene. It's a yeah. long time. And I was, I was hot crap for a little while. I was never the biggest comedian in the world, but due to my affiliation with the Stern Show, I was, I was making a lot of money, and I've been killing audiences forever. And then I left the show, you know, which is like my, my, ba- uh, my, my uh, accountant said it was like doing a 9-11 on my uh, <laughs> bank account. <laughs> That's what he said. But... Um, but now, I don't know, my record company guy got it in, and now if you tell that, you know what Alexa is, that little gadget. Yep, if yep, you yep. tell Alexa to play Jackie Marling, or if you put it in Spotify, or you put it in the Pandora, it plays my jokes for hours. But, you know, if you go on Alexa and you say, play Van Morrison, it'll play Van Morrison, but then it'll sprinkle in James Taylor and John Prine. Right. If you say play, play Jackie Martling, they sprinkle in Chris Rock, Rodney Dangerfield, Dice. It puts me in this great stratosphere, and it's a great thing. And I'm getting a whole new legion of fans that love this guy that tells the dirty jokes, and they backfill the fact that oh, he was on the Howard Stern show, which is which is so good for my head, and it's so but it's so good for my audiences. I just had two sold-out packed shows down at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant. You know, that's Point Pleasant Beach in the middle of the winter, and you couldn't move in the place. And so I got a whole new life, which is just, it's so fun. So I do all these podcasts and radio shows, and I do all the promotion. I go on a lot of guys, like I'm on Q104 and Mark Simone and John Fugelsang and David Feldman, and I call in, people say, why don't you do your own podcast? And I'm like, I love calling in. It's so much fun because it's something different every time. I don't know you. I don't know you from Adam, but, you know, 
I love when somebody says, yeah, I'm, I've been a fan a long time. And this, so if it's fun for you, it's really fun for me. At you know? this point, at this point, I think you're almost considered alt comedy because you tell jokes. You get up there and you you do dirty jokes. You do uh, rapid fire jokes. You're 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 the joke man. But it seems like this trend in comedy, it's got to be like confessional. You got to get your own podcast and, and talk about your life. And you have to be, quote, unquote, honest. Uh, what do you think of that? Right, Which is all great, except for one thing. They get everything right except for one thing. What's that? They forget to be funny. <laughs> you know, our job is, number one, I tell people, my first job is to make people laugh. You know, if you're a comedian, there's two things you don't do. The, the guiding lines of any comedy, when you're starting, they say, you don't tell old jokes and you don't laugh at yourself. And that's all I do. <laughs> <That's those two laughs> I was going to say, I what? break both rules and don't do anything else. But the bottom line is you come to my show and you laugh your ass off for an hour. You walk out. You're not any smarter. You're not any hipper. You just left the planet for an hour and laughed and relaxed and had the time of your life, which with the passage of time, you know that that is now it right now that is on it's at such a premium because we just don't have that. You know, yeah, it's dark. So, times. You know, I, I so I just I just want to laugh and. You know, and I'm rude to everybody and everything, not the people in the crowd, but, you know, whether, whether, you know, little people or Jewish people, but I, I hit everybody, but I don't hurt them. I, I, I pounce on them for a second and then it's off to the next guy, you know? So the midgets in the audience are laughing at the Jews and the Jews are laughing at the blacks. Oh, uh, okay, great, great. Now I'm going to get pulled off. There goes all my money for uh, foundation, from the foundations, Jackie. Let me ask you about the Channel 9 show, though. Can I ask you a couple of stern-related questions, all respectful? You can I, I don't want to... anything you want. All right, I'm not... I, I hope I don't get you thrown off the air. Hey, people, send your money, and this is not you. Anything I say has got nothing to do with your friend Eugene. He's a good guy. And, um, and none of my questions. I interviewed you once before uh, last May. You actually were incredibly gracious. It was for charity. We were, it was this 36-hour fundraiser for various local charities here. But my questions, I, I was I went back and I read them, and I was basically trying to get you to bash Stern because everybody was doing that at the time. And I think it kind of turned you off. I don't do off. that. No, you know, yeah, I, that's I, what I. I, I that's what I wanted to ask I you. Did, You're like, I, you know, I put out my book. I put out my autobiography, right. The Joke Man, Bow to Stern. And of course, there's things in there I'm sure he would rather not have be in there. But all it is is about what I wrote and what I did and what I asked for. You know, well, there's no need to bash anybody. You know, he, you know, there's things he does that I don't like and did that I don't like. But there's not many people I know that haven't done things I don't like. And you hold no you grudges. Know, and, and you hold no ill will. It sounds like you, you're kind of like have this inner, inner peace when you talk about the, the Stern show. I listen, think. I, I ask for like the only thing I don't like is people think that I, I went afoul and I, I, I was unappreciative. Like I asked for more money and they said, no, you know, I'm reading all these old show business biographies and Tyrone power and and James Stewart, everybody you could think of, were at war with Warner Brothers and Mayer, Louis B. Mayer, trying to get more money. You know, since the beginning of the time, the the performers, the actors, the comedians have been up against a brick wall trying to get paid better. 
You know, you don't get paid what you're worth. You get paid what you negotiate. And if you don't ask, you don't get it. It's sort of amazing to me because I listen to like Stuttering John's podcast and, and he sort of goes the other way compared to how you talk about uh, those days. But he kind of, it, it's refreshing to me in a way because I, you know, listening, I figured you were each making, you know, $30 million a piece. You, Stuttering John, I thought you were all making, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy money. But you basically the had the same. One, listen, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. In uh, I guess somewhere around, you know, we I made so little to start that it was a battle just to get into the ballpark. And at one point, I had well, I walked off the show I think four times. And if I hadn't, of my my salary would have never ever got anywhere. And people always thought I was a jerk because I walked out. I never ever walked out. They would know I wasn't coming in on Monday. And on Monday, Robin would go. Where's Jackie? And Howard go, I don't know. And she go, oh, he stood you up again? And they, that I didn't like because they made it look like I had just not showed up when they knew damn well that I wasn't going to be there because I didn't have my contract, which was, which was lies. But that's the show. I mean, that's the crap that they pull. You, you know, you, it's the old thing with the frog and the scorpion. You know, why'd you bite me? I'm a scorpion, you moron. You know, <laughs> what's it take? And, uh, and one time I, I was, I had held out and I'd been out for a couple of weeks and this is a long time ago. And Dominic Barber called me up. Do you know who he was? Oh, sure. Yeah. The attorney, famous attorney, the bloated attorney. Hey, Jackie, what are you doing? The stats don't need you, man. I, I called Mount and said, what are you doing? He says, let me try and help. What can I do? What, what's the problem here? And I said, I'll tell you what the problem is, Dominic. I'm making 300 grand and I want to make 400 grand. And he said, hold on, hold on. And I said, what's the matter? He said, I had to pull off the road. He said, the whole world thinks you're making a million and a half dollars and you're asking for two and a half million and they think you're being greedy. You know, they, they right. have you off the show for $400,000? And I said, I swear to God. And he said, he said he absolutely could. And at this time, we were already making, they were, they were printing money. I think at that time, we were already in, in 40 markets, number one in most of them. And and that was the kind of thing, you know. People, yeah, you, dealt people with, that, you dealt with the same, like, corporate stuff that we all have to deal with. I think that's what's surprising to people looking back. You had to you had to run into and have the, these run-ins with these middle managers, I guess, who were just yeah, corporate. But, but not really. No? Not really. Who was the one, that, know, then who was the it, one guy that said, no, you're not getting more well, money? Was it well, Howard or Tom Chiasano or? Howard. How, all it was Howard, Howard had to okay. do was... Say, give him the money. You know the old story of uh, Frank Sinatra saving Shecky Green's life? Did you ever hear that? I'm not sure, but I'd like to. Frank Sinatra, Frank Sinatra said to the mobsters, okay, boys, you can stop now. <laughs> That's how he <laughs> saved Shecky Green's life. You know, it's, it's the exact same thing. That's all. But I, I don't harbor any ill will. Like, he didn't, they didn't want to pay me. They didn't want to pay me for whatever reason. You know, Maybe he didn't want the guy sitting there. He got a new girlfriend and a new wife and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want the world knowing that I'm sitting there making him funny. Who knows? Who knows? There's, there could be any, any amount of reasons. I'll tell you one thing. At that point in space and time, he already had so frighteningly much money that I really don't believe it could have been the money. Hmm. You know, so, but who knows? Who knows? You know, maybe it was the precedent, you know. You know, like Jackie, if we if we if we let you have another apple, then everybody's going to ask for another apple. Who knows? You know. I want to ask but you all about. I, know is I, I got off the show. I lost weight. I quit drinking. 
You know, I got laid twice in 2013. <laughs> Things are rolling. God bless. Things are rolling. You're a legend. Let me ask you about the Channel 9 show. This is from uh, uh, fans. I, they submitted questions. Uh, what was the work schedule like for the Channel 9 show? Cause that thing was incredible. I, You know, everybody should go back you and watch have, that. You have no idea. How'd you survive it? You, nobody, nobody will ever have any idea because for me, I mean... I look back, I did, I, Eugene, I used to do more in one day than I did in the decade from 2000 to 2010. Hmm. Along the line of the 15 years of the Stern show, I put out six completely different 80 minute joke CDs, which meant recording a CD, losing all those jokes, getting a whole nother round of jokes in there, recording them all the while headlining. And I couldn't go up and just get away with it. I had to kill every night. And that was in between the acts. Now, the Channel 9 show had us so crazy that after the first season, all of us were kind of up in the air. Like, we weren't sure whether we were rooting, to, whether we wanted to get renewed or not, because it killed us. It doubled our salaries. But at the time, I was hosting the Rascals Comedy Hour. So every Thursday night, I had to have a completely different seven-minute monologue, which meant seven minutes of joke after joke after joke after joke, different every week, which is a, which is a, a handful, even though they're old jokes and I know them, just to, to line them up and fire them away. <clears throat> but we would be doing between uh, four and five hours of radio every day, starting at six o'clock. On Monday, we would have a blank sheet of paper, and on Friday night, we had to have an hour television show in the can ready for them to edit, you know, finally edit it on Saturday. So we'd start on Monday. We'd pitch ideas, figure out what we wanted to do, what guests are available. We get this guest, that guest on Wednesday, the guests would say to the publicist or their manager, you booked me on what show? I'm not doing that show. <laughs> and then we'd have to, you know, completely, I, nobody remembers in 1990 or 191, whatever it was, you know, that it was still, and people were scared to death to come on the show and they didn't want to be affiliated. It's hard to believe they didn't want to come on the Stern show. Now I'm sure a lot of them are still kicking themselves, but we'd have a blank piece of paper and somehow we would wind up Friday night done with the show. And I swear to you, I used to pull up to the, <laughs> to the toll booth at the George Washington Bridge and look at the guy and say, I need you to French kiss me. We got through another friggin' week. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, we'd get done with the show and I'd sit out and drink a six pack and smoke a couple joints with Ralph. And we'd both sit there and bitch and moan about Howard. And then Ralph become Howard's best friend. And of course he told Howard all the crap I said about him, but never threw in the stuff that Ralph said about him. You know? uh... <laughs> I mean, harmless stuff, harmless stuff, just bitching and moaning, you know, when you look but back, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Is that your favorite era of when you were there? Like if you look back at your tenure, was the, is that what you look you know on what? most fondly? No, well, it was no, because later as it got later, in the nineties, all of a sudden we're, you know, not just Howard, but we're all flying first class and we're staying at the, uh, at the four seasons hotel and we're rubbing up noses with everybody. And we made the movie 
and I was going all over. Nobody else would leave the, the New York. You know, I was the only one that was, I was like the ambassador. So I'd go headline in Detroit or Phoenix or Chicago and make a lot of money, Las Vegas. And the people loved me. And, you know, I was like, the only reason I was a superstar was because nobody else would go. Howard <laughs> wasn't going. Robin wasn't going. Fred, Gary, they weren't going. So I was, I was the, the thing that they could actually reach out and touch and, you know, take to a club and take to a restaurant and take to a car wash. And I'd sign autographs and, and go to the station. And they were thrilled, you know, because it was, was a hands-on thing. The Channel 9 thing, though, was really the blossoming. You know, uh, if you ever saw the movie My Favorite Year, that's exactly what we lived. Oh, it sure, Peter O'Toole, right? Year. Yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, the absolute scramble. Like, me and Fred were that were that kid, that, that intern. You know, it was... Well, we were actually the writers, and you know, but it was like the intern and the writer's point of view, and it was, you know, I, we couldn't believe the crap that we got away with. You know, it it's was, amazing to look back. I mean, that would be it would be everyday uh, page one headlines of protests and all that stuff if that show was somehow to make it, it was, on the uh, air today. But very funny. So I much mean. fun. How about so uh, much fun? I mean, Joe Walsh came on and played Desperado on a little tiny 12-inch Farfisa organ. I think Don Henley didn't speak to him for two years. I mean... So if you did Desperado for us now, would it make Don Henley mad? Yeah. It would. Would he reassess yeah. again? Would you do it for us now? Sure. Oh, you would. You don't care. Desperado Why don't you come to your senses I mean, I don't remember what I wrote and what Fred wrote, but between the two of us, we were like the Lennon and McCartney of the show, and we just did all we could to outdo each other, and it was just just a free-for-all. Uh, you ever talk to Fred or, or through email or anything like that? Because you guys were special. You... you know, I, I, I saw him, you know, I always say it was a year ago, but it could have been four years ago. You know, mm. we, we went to lunch at some point. I went to lunch with Robin a couple of years ago. You know, but uh, this the last couple of years, Howard didn't even, you know, we didn't even exchange emails on our birthday. You know, he probably didn't like my book, but my book was like, Everybody, everybody for the most part was like, was so harmless. I, you know, I got a lot of hate mail from people saying, why didn't you tell, say anything? Why didn't you bash anybody? I'm like, you know, I wanted my, my autobiography to be fun and funny and be interesting. I'm, I wasn't looking to, to make anybody look like an idiot, you know. To settle a school. You know, the thing like that. that my complaints about the show are so petty. You know, I mean, they're major, major things to me, but anybody else reading it would be like, you know, shut up and sit down because, uh, you know, anybody else, the fans would have sat there for free. Like what an honor to sit there and, and be part of that show. It's like, no, I'm working my ass off, man. I got up at four twenty every day and I was contributing big time. You know, yes. Did I love being there? I loved every second of it, but it wasn't an honor to be there. It was a great job is what it was. You know, who do you think was the most, maybe underrated or unnoticed staffer or contributor from your time on the show? From the beginning of the show in 1977 to the current day, there is nobody in the league. There is nobody in the league of Fred Norris. Hmm. Nobody has no, and nobody has any idea what he has done, what he does, how important he is, how hard he works, how brilliant, funny, he is so unsung and he, and you know, and he got mad at me for leaving the show. Like, like, 
you're like, Jackie, why don't you just shut up and take what they're giving you? I'm like, you know, I mean, he didn't say that in so many words, but you know, Fred's been there with Howard since before, like a year before Robin. And I don't think in all those decades, I'm not sure that Fred has ever said the words, I want more, you know, and he's, he's there doing the whole thing, creating everything for Howard. And all of a sudden I'm on the job and I'm like, why aren't we getting credit? You know, Fred's writing parodies and Howard's going, Robin, here's a song parody I wrote. And I'm like, how, how does this work? And then all of a sudden it became, well, Robin, me and the boys wrote a song parody. And eventually, hey, Jackie and Fred came up with a song parody. You know, he, cause he never, oh, do you he think- would never ask for anything. And he's just such a good guy and such a good soldier. He would take a bullet for Howard and he really appreciates where he is and what he does. But he was, you know, he worked, he works, he worked five times harder than me, but you know, it's, a, it's, it was enough of, of a battle for me to fight for me. And if he, he didn't, he had no complaints. He was fine with where he was and what he was doing. You See, know, but, I guess like listening to that, true. My, my next question, and, and I don't mean to rehash, but so you think maybe that's what bothered Howard? The fact that you started to ask for some credit for the, your contribution to the show. Cause I mean, it's amazing to me. Nobody oh, knew you were passing notes balls. when they came, when they started the channel nine show, uh, that, you know, we all had to sign on and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they, um, and I was, you know, I was writing, uh, things to Howard to say on the fly, just like on the radio show, it was going to be set up just like that. And then he said, what credits you want? And I said, uh, well, I don't know if I was speaking for Fred. I said, I want to be credited as a writer. And they said, well, we can't really credit you as a writer because it's not a union show or something like that. So uh, we got to say you're, you're uh, uh, a segment producer. I said, what are you talking about? I'm not a segment producer. I'm a writer. In fact, you know what? I'm the last one that knows what... I'm handing Howard something. I'm the last one to have it in my hand before it goes to him. So I'm the head writer. And they're like, well, we, we can't have a, a writer because it's not a guild show. I said, well, then I'm not coming. So they had to give me, so I was on the Channel 9 show. I was head writer. And they never let me forget it. I don't know if you remember. So, yes, oh, I was going to ask. Yeah. I'm head writer and made fun of it. But it was a big goddamn deal. And because of me, I was head writer. And then the other writers on the show were Howard Stern, Fred Norris. And I always got, you know, they made fun of the fact that I insisted on getting my credit. And before that, there was never any credits because it was a radio show. Fred, how ridiculous is it that Jackie demands head writer billing on the show, and you're the only other writer? <laughs> how ridiculous is that? What can I say? You get a, you know, it's a tribe of two Indians, and he's the chief. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I mean, he showed up from nowhere, and he's now like he's the chief. Head I'm head I got to see I my claim. <laughs> he's head writer. I'm Miles Sanders. It always reminded right. me of the old thing. You know, it's a good thing Fred doesn't care about stuff like that. Everything was a battle. Like normally they say you're gonna be a segment producer, and Fred would have just said, "Oh, okay." You know, and uh, it just, it was crazy. And then the, what they paid us for the Channel 9 show and for the E! show, it's like, you know, the Channel 9 show wasn't so bad, but the E! show, what we got paid, we got paid, you know, lettuce picking wages. It was, it was pretty spectacular. Hey, after you, you know, left I was, the show. I was in, I'm sorry, go I ahead, was in, uh, I was in Las Vegas headlining the top of the rib 
thousands of people sold out, great pay. They gave me the, they actually would give me the suite that was the suite that Sharon Stone and Robert De Niro had in the, the movie Casino. Yeah. Two floors, grand piano, full bar, fully stocked. It was, it was uh, otherworldly. And it was right down the hall from the ballroom, which was the top of the rib where I had a thousand people sold out. And it's the same ballroom where Sharon Stone and Robert De Niro got married in that movie. And I'd kill, and I'd invite all my friends that were out in Las Vegas. And here we are at the party, and it's late, and everybody's gone. And I'm there with, like, uh, Dennis Blair, Max Alexander, uh, Mike Sacconi, uh, Don McHenry, um, just oh, Billy West, all, all my friends that were either in Las Vegas or passing through or whatever. And we're standing around, and everybody's kind of left, and they go, Martin, you really are, are lucky. You know, we all know how hard you work. But what a great thing, you know, you're in step with the whole Stern show. And now you guys got that, that e-television show, you know, that yeah, you must be, you must be rolling. And I said, rolling, really? $25,000? Mm. And they all looked at me and said, wait a minute. You can't tell us that you're doing so damn well that another $25,000 a week is hey to you. And I laughed. I said, a week? I said, that's what I'm getting per year. And they all fell on the floor. I said, if you stood on the, on the corner with a shovel and they picked you up to come pick beans, you would make more that year than I was getting for being the head writer on the e-television show, six hours, uh, six, six nights a week, an hour every day. What were, they paying they, at, uh, you know, what were they paying Billy West then? Was he just getting plugs? I'm sure Billy was getting paid the same as I was getting paid. You know, we were, you know, I don't, I don't know what Billy was getting, you know, and I never asked anybody, but I just fought for me. By the time I left, uh, I think I was getting 50 grand a year from the e-show, which was, which, which was an insult, but the, you know, an extra 50 grand a year was like, you know, it was found money and it was great, but not for what we were doing. You know, after but, leaving uh, that, but it, it wasn't really extra work. They were just putting cameras on us, so you know it was despicable. But what the hell, you know? After leaving the the show, did you like entertain any serious offers from other radio shows, like Opie and Anthony, or anything like that? At that, you know what? I, I I I don't know whether Howard uh, poisoned people's minds. I like, and I don't begrudge it because that was his job to paint whatever. You know, like all my friends couldn't believe that he had me painted as cheap and mean and angry because my whole life I've been the nicest guy in the world and always been so nice to everybody I've ever met and been the most generous guy. And forget about it. when I started making money, I was stupid generous. And when they'd hear him talking about how cheap I was, you know, I'd have a party and have 200 lobsters. And then he'd tell everybody what a cheapskate I was because I was swimming instead of being back at the, my house serving it. You know, and it was just like Trump, you know, they, they, people would buy it. You know, Jackie's cheap. To this day, people come up to me and say, you want me to buy you a drink? I know you won't buy me a drink. You're such a cheap bastard, you know. So he and he used to tell everybody, you know, Jackie, you think people like you. Everybody here hates you. All the salesmen, all the, you know, he'd say this on the air. You know, you're so hard to get along with. You're impossible to work with. And meanwhile, I was the glue. You know, me and Fred would be with Howard. He took me with him to Hollywood Squares. I mean. And, and he loved me to death, but he told everybody how impossible I was. And, and I people believed it. Show. I never, I never got an offer. 
I was on that show for 15 years, and all they did pay me for was to walk in and sit down with a Sharpie. You know, I didn't carry anything. I didn't stay after to record anything. All I did was come in and put my ideas down with a Sharpie, whether it was on the fly or whether we were doing it afterwards. And I had so many of the ideas and concepts, and I was getting paid well for it, but I was just getting paid for my thoughts and my concepts. And the day I quit that show, I got no offers from anybody. Nothing, not That's one. incredible. And, it, uh, I, and I just never figured it out. They must have figured either I was way too expensive or way too annoying or for whatever reason. I mean, I wasn't ready to go jump into, you know, uh, doing radio in Podunk, Louisiana, you know, but, but it was crazy. Finally, when Opie, uh, I mean, when Anthony got his show uh, in Roslyn and started doing that podcast, they, they offered me to, to come and have my own show for a while, but it was like, it was way, way little money. And that wasn't the thing. It was like <clears throat> his manager made it like they were going to own every word I said. And I knew I was in the throes of doing my biography, autobiography. And the last thing I wanted to do was type out a story and then have them say, no, no, you said that on our air. We own that now. So, so I kind of begged off that. But oh, gotcha. Was, I didn't realize that though. You, so they had offered you a spot on compound media, Anthony Cumia's. Uh, yeah, I was after... out in Roslyn. Okay. You know, it's actually on, it's actually on YouTube somewhere, the hour I did. And oh was... no, I watched that. Yeah, that was, that was incredible. And that was like the first time I, it was you and Stuttering John came on, right? And Stuttering John no, was well, pounded, that was, or... that was much later. That was oh, much okay. Later. Okay. Me and John did one together and I did a couple by myself with me and Anthony and one with me and John and Anthony, but I'm talking about me, one with me just sitting there with the Joe Glenn logo behind me, taking a phone call, telling oh, no a story, and I'll send you the link. It was, <clears throat> I, I looked decent, it sounded decent, and it was, they loved the demo, and they said, man, we want you to do this every week, and it was like, it, it, just, it just didn't feel comfortable. I didn't like, and you know, I don't want to talk of the dead, because the guy died, his agent, but they sent me like a, you know, 200-page uh, you know, not 200 page, a 20 page contract. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to hire a lawyer and look through this. I've been through this. You know, I, I don't want to do that. You know, and now I go, I've been on compound a bunch of times, <clears throat> you know, with Anthony and with uh, Pat Dixon. I was on with him when he was with Artie and on with him. Now he's with this new guy, Dave. And, and I love doing that show and it's so much fun, but we're so diametrically opposed because they're all about Trump and I'm all hate, 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 hate Trump. Not that we talk about it, but that, that's their thrust. So they, they're not breaking down the balls to get me there. But let, let me I ask you, Artie. Show a bunch know, of just... time and Artie's podcast, and it was you know we always had so much fun because so, there's so much respect between us. You know, I, I just called you Artie by accident. I apologize. I don't know if you caught that, but I wanted to ask you a question uh, about politics. This is my theory: is that you know I loved O and A, uh, and then. Anthony, for my taste, just went so political, as did Stern at one point, uh, the other way. And I just, that just turns me off. Uh, you know are what? you the I same way? No, or? I've, I've never listened to uh, any of the shows. Uh, you know, I just go in and do the shows. I go on Mark Simone, who's far so far up Trump's ass, and I do uh, Bernie and Sid. Uh, on Fridays on WABC radio, they took I miss his old spot, but I predate, I, I mean, I know these guys, I know Sid for 25 years. I knew Bernie for 40 years. I know Mark Simone for 40 years. So we go back so far. It's way before anybody got involved in this stuff at all. 
I'm not politically at all. You know, I never go on the radio and start screaming uh, anti-Trump stuff. I'm just not involved. Yeah. Uh, and so we just don't go there. You know, I, whether Howard went one way or the other, I have no idea. I've never listened. I don't really care. You know, I did Opie's show a couple of weeks ago with, or maybe it was a month ago with Stuttering John. And that was great fun, but uh, but I don't spout any of that. You know, I, I because there's nothing we can do. And you know, everybody gets everybody gets enough. You know, yeah, uh, I want to escape from that. I want to just laugh. Political, political. You know, our yeah, our job is to laugh. You know, like you know. Are you still tight with Stuttering John? And how how he how is he doing? <clears throat> He's doing great. You know, uh, man, we did a great thing. Uh, in fact, I'm going to see the producer tonight. Me and John and Billy West. It is a weird story. There's a guy that uh, is a huge, huge fan. And he called me about five years ago and said, Jackie, I do this great party in L.A. Uh, you know, I'm a wealthy guy. I've made a lot of money. And I got a nice place in Hidden Hills. And every year I have my friends from my childhood, from college, from high school, from work, from my jobs. You know, about 50 guys. No wives. My wife goes away for the weekend. <clears throat> we got a pool. We got some topless girls running around. You know, we play poker. I get a great band. Everybody drinks. Everybody gets stoned. All you'd have to do is a few minutes of jokes and just basically hang with my friends. I'm like, well, I'm in. <clears throat> By some crazy coincidence, the guy got in a car accident years and years ago, and Billy West was the witness. Now, you can't. <laughs> I couldn't make I that up. Laugh. Okay. So Billy's the guy's friend. So Billy, so not only do I get paid a lot of money and they, I come out and they put me up, but I get to hang with Billy for a whole day and, and reminisce. So, uh, and then I asked the guy, can I bring my girl? So nowadays when I come out, I bring my girl, we stay right where I am now at the standard Hollywood. And he picks up all the expenses and all I got to do is go be at his party. And last year he got me an extra gig at the Beverly Hills country club and, you know, so I made double the money. He's just the nicest guy in the world. I don't want to say his name. But this last summer, he said, what are we going to do? I want to make it different. You think we can get Stuttering John? And I said, listen, I'll give you his number. You can make him an offer. I'm not picking him up. I'm not responsible. I love the guy. but, but Why aren't you picking him up? Well, because he lives out here. Oh, gotcha. So, okay. uh, you know, in other words, don't send an Uber to pick up me and then pick up him because he'll come running out in his underwear carrying his clothes. So, <laughs> so he gets stuttering, John, you know, and he called me up and he said, you know, John already asked me for an advance. And I said, well, what, 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 what did you expect? So me and John and Billy are there this summer and we're sitting there and we just start talking because we're old pals and, we, you know, we're from the, the best. When that show was at its red hottest, the three of us were, you know, the, the fulcrum. <clears throat> so we're just yakking. We look, there's like 20 guys standing around us, hedging on, I mean, hanging on every word. The topless girls are walking around. They don't know what to do. Nobody's paying attention to them. And I turned to the guy with John and I said, we should have cameras on this. Look at everybody's fascinated by this. And all yeah. we're doing is talking. So we came back out a couple months ago and me and Billy and John sat on a set with a bunch of 4K cameras on us and we talked for three hours. And the footage is just spectacular and the guy's got it put together. He's going to release it, but he doesn't know how yet, whether he's going to release it in segments or Netflix or Amazon or do it himself. He doesn't know, but it's, it's just cherry and it's just us 
talking about that crap, but people are, are still fascinated. And the more time that goes by and the more, I guess people don't, the people that don't like the show anymore, the people that really, really were into it when we were all killing, you know, the people now said, Oh, Jackie, who needs Jackie? Who needs Billy? You know, the show sucked when they were on. And, and, you know, I watch these people. I don't, I don't go on these sites, but people wind up on my Twitter because they put my name in at Jackie Martling there. And, uh, and it's interesting, you know, but, but it, that's going to be really, really fun. And so, so there's three hours of footage here and there, you know, yeah, so there's three hours of footage out there. there. Is it going to be released like a series? You think, or that's all still being that's still up in the air? Uh, no, he, he doesn't know yet. He doesn't know yet. Wow, that's it's, fascinating. It's really fun. Because and, yeah, and, there's nothing fancy. It's not topless girls, and then not jokes. It's just us, you know, goofing on each other, and the whole. Thing. It's just terrific. But so know? many people want that. Like I would listen to that. Uh, and that's like brings he, me to that, my last that's question. What the guy thinks, but the truth is, who knows. You know, people get everything for free. Who knows if somebody would look at that? Who knows if somebody pay ninety nine cents? Who uh, knows if they'd pay fourteen ninety nine? It's such an unknown. I remember when when I had my website, I had you know zillions of people coming to jokeland dot com, and you do the math of wow, if point one one percent of these people buy something, I'm going to be rich. And then you find out the point one one percent doesn't buy anything. <laughs> the minute you yeah. say go for your wallet. Yeah. You know, they can't change websites quick enough. You know? You're talking to a guy who runs a nonprofit news site, and that's exactly why. <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah, because you, you, it's nonprofit. It's not that you necessarily intended it to be. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I wish I could make more money, but that would be awesome. My last question, Jack, is you probably. Wait, before you say anything, I want to tell your audience if they, by any chance, you're still listening, uh, I answer my email, jokeland yeah, at AOL Tom, J O K E L A N D at AOL.com. I get so many emails. Somebody says, I just read your book. I read it for the third time. I can't believe how much I love it. And I'm calling you on your bluff because you said in your book that you answered my emails. And, uh, and then I answer their emails and I send them chapters that never made it into the book. And they flip out. They're like, not only did you answer, but you sent me some great Rodney Dangerfield chapters and it just freaks them out. But I, lo- I really appreciate when somebody gets my book. So, you I know, have so, it. It's a, it is a great book. I can personally attest to that. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, but uh, I, I love it when somebody says, listen, I knew this book came out and I knew I eventually get it. And now I'm sorry I didn't get it right away. And, you know, left hand, you know, like, like Jackie, who knew you were smart? Who knew you could put a sentence together? You know, all kinds <laughs> of left hand. But you know what? I'll take it. I don't care. I, so I always I wonder. You as always. No, 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 no. It's fine. I, I always wonder. You know, there's conventions for everything. There's comic book conventions, horror movie conventions, and these things they're packed. They fill the Javits Center now. Why isn't there, or will there ever be, a Stern Show convention? There's so because many. Because Howard, Howard he just, has no interest. He's so rich, and as far as he's concerned, it's his show. And he did it. He always thought that he could have done the show in an elevator with nobody else in the room, that there was never, uh, you know, the fact that there was other people circling around. So many people say, you know, it was a group show. It was a gang. It was like cheers. It was like, I always said the Beatles of radio, which it was, but he, he always thought that everybody else was besides the point. And, you know, to, to have a convention where everybody would be celebrated, you know, it's you would not believe the memorabilia I got. I well, have 
You get all your jokes, script. right? I have the scripts from all the bits that we did. And I have the notes that I got signed by celebrities. I got 150 notes that would blow your mind because it's signed by, you know, signed by Geraldo and Al Michaels and Tiny Tim and Adam West and Barbara Streisand's sister and Kenneth Keith Callenbach <laughs> and uh, John Wayne Bobbitt. You know, it's it, Vanilla Ice. I, and it, it's all notes that I wrote about these people, and then they signed them. You know, John Phillips from the Mamas and Papas. And, you know, it's just such an eclectic group that it's that it's, you almost can't believe it. And it's such a fun... And they, if I just put them up on the wall and let people walk around, it's such... It's just the flood of memories makes people crazy. And I'm kind of on the verge of doing that. But I don't think there'll ever be a full-scale convention. Even you like know, outside I, of Stern somehow? Because I just think like you brought up that three-hour discussion and you go to these conventions and, and a, you could do so many different panels where people would just listen yeah, to you guys and know, autographs and, my girlfriend's and all. Even like, my girlfriend's like, Jackie, you know, leave that in the dust. And she's kind of right. You know, mm. I, I got people coming out to my shows now that just love the Alexa and Spotify and Pandora. And then they find out I was also the guy in the Stern show. It's not an ego thing. It's just like, you know, I don't, when people say, hey, you're still sucking off Howard's bones, it's like, but you're not really. If it's 15 years of your life, like, are you really going to fault Mickey Mantle for, for saying I used to be a New York Yankee? Right. Yeah, if people are still coming to your life, show, gave, there's obviously right. something, yeah, you, you bring something to the table, obviously. But, but, but they do have a point also, so who knows, you know. What are you doing in California anyway? Because I, I don't even know if I said that at the beginning of this. You're in California right now. Or you there's, said a guy, there's a guy who's a lawyer that made a real lot of money. And he said, you know what? I'm going to do the show business I want to do. He's kind of been doing it on the side forever. So he's doing a, a show where he does these different characters. And he called and said, listen, would you ever consider being uh, part of a show? If I came out to New York and paid you good. But I said, sure. And then he called up and said, listen. It'd be so much easier for me if you came to California. I said, well, you know, you got to pay for every single thing so it doesn't cost me anything and it's no hassle because I'm an old guy. But if you if you meet my, and my demands are small. You know, I'm JetBlue. I'm not First Class American Airlines. You know, I'm not I'm not Four Seasons. I'm Hotel, hotel uh, Standard, you know. But he did it all. So today, <clears throat> that's why I had to get this out of the way because he's picking me up. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go do, you know, a bunch like interviews and characters and maybe walk around letting people try and stump me with a joke. And, I, you know, I'm just real amenable to it. And they picked me up at the airport and these guys are over the moon. But I, I do. I will beg your audience. Say, Alexa, play Jackie Martling, but don't do it with kids in the room. No, yeah, that, that's my, put me that's, in Spotify and put me in Pandora. Uh, if you email me, jokeland at AOL.com, you get jokes every month, which people still absolutely love and tweet i tweet jokes every day at 4 20 p.m international marijuana time and my tweet is uh, at jackie martling which is very simple and i just been doing this you know what's still going i don't know if you remember from the start show yes but i 516, do 516-922 wine is still going strong people can't believe it people <laughs> say hey i used to call you a joke line 20 years ago I say, well, it's still going. And nowadays, everybody has a cell phone, so they pull it out. They dial 516-922-9463. Hey, this is Jackie the Joke Man. Thanks for using your finger and calling 516-922-WINE. And the jaws drop. 
because it's like a, a throwback to 30. You know, Rick Dees out here in California used to tell his huge national radio audience that that was Tom Selleck's home phone number. <laughs> and, it went, and it went through the roof, you know. So that, and that's been and that's been around, you know. If that, we're talking about 1982, Jesus Christmas, that's 40 years ago. You know, that's fun. That's, <laughs> that's fun. All, and you'll be in Seymour, Connecticut, this Saturday, uh, right here in the Naugatuck Valley at the Strand Theater Treehouse Comedy. And I Productions. tell people, you you do not have to buy anything. You want to come to the show? If you want an autograph, you want to ask questions, you want to take a picture, you don't have to buy any of my crap to do that. But I'm selling my, my autobiography and my six great CDs and my two joke books and my kids' CDs, which are selling better than anything, which are so fun. I got a thing called Gross Jokes, and there's no, there's no curses and there's no sex, but it's poop and farts and vomit, and the, the kids go berserk. It's my voice sped up like a midget with me laughing, and the kids are it's selling through the roof, which is just you know, that would be the thing that I'd retire on is a kid CD after 40 years of being so horribly, horribly foul. <laughs> All right, Jackie. Hey, thank you so much for taking your time. I mean, I truly appreciate it. And this has been a pleasure for me. The fact uh, we've talked for an hour. I figured I had 10 minutes at the beginning there. I was like, I was trying to interrupt you to throw in my questions. I was like, he's going to talk and then just hang up. But man, you, you were the best. The thing is, the thing is, I didn't know how much time I'd had because these guys flew me out. And I said, listen, from the time I land, I'm yours to do with whatever. So I told Brad I didn't know what the deal was. So it's my pleasure. Make sure you email me a street address so I can send you some stuff. And I appreciate the ink and uh, anything I can do for you or you do for me. I'll always, if I'm ever in the area, I'll always, I'll always scream for some more help. So let me know. All right, Jackie, thank you so much for everything. Okay, and I, and I, one thing I want to say before I hang up is Brad Axelrod, stop being so goddamn cheap. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, I have a fun game to play. What? Fred, you play a Jackie laugh, okay. and then Billy tries to do an impression of it. Very good. Hold on. Okay. okay. A laugh off. Yeah, there we go. yeah. Here we go. Number one. <laughs> 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 good. Go. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> Number three.